Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another special edition of the Second City Podcast. Uh, my name's Daniel. I'm here, as always, with uh, Callum. I'm a blue nose. He's a villain. Something a little bit different this week, though. Obviously, normally we uh, we kind of keep up to date with like the current goings on and like you know our, our recent matches and transfer window and and all that stuff. But yeah. currently, as uh, as this is going out to the world, Callum is stuck at the top of a mountain somewhere in the Austrian <laughs> Alps. Uh, Callum's on holiday in Austria. Oh, are you on holiday? Are you going to be on holiday? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm on a skiing holiday. Yeah. Oh, oh well, my. Okay. Um, <laughs> so this is uh, unfortunately so we, well not unfortunately, but we couldn't do just like a normal episode this week. Um, so instead, we're going to do one of our second city stories. It's been a little while since we did one. And this week we're doing uh, Steve Bruce. So the theme of this series is we take a look at someone who's maybe as a player or as a manager has represented both Blues and Villa in some capacity. And we look at their time at both clubs and their sort of legacy and so on. Uh, so yeah, this week's Bruce obviously has a huge legacy at both clubs. And obviously the, his time at both clubs is quite a long time apart. So quite interesting looking at different points in his career and so on. And whether it was a success or failure. So we'll get onto all that later and we'll recap um, Bruce's time at Blues and Villa in a bit and take that trip down memory lane and so on. But first of all, uh, we're going to start, as we always do, with what we're wearing. But we have gone with, obviously, sort of Bruce-themed era shirts, I think, by the look of things, Cal. Yes, absolutely. I feel mm. like you've been guessing first a lot recently. Yeah. But... I think we're going to keep it because I want. To, we've got to do your shirt <laughs> second this week because oh, that yes. is that is a classic pull, second pull that, kit. Pulled out the big gun this week. You, you yeah. have pulled out the big guns this week. Um, my one is a nice claret and blue Under Armour piece. Uh, Inuit QuickBooks sponsor uh, and a lovely button collar. We haven't had mm. one of these. I was thinking about this earlier. The like we never have collared shirts, and like this one is like as good as it'll get. Yeah, that sort of one button collar thing kind of came back into fashion a few years ago, I feel like. Well, it's actually two. There's a claret button here oh, as well. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, there was like a fashionable bit around this period mm. where quite a few clubs were having like the collared shirt. Yeah. Um, well, obviously it's Bruce era and he was with you for a few seasons, sort of mid to late 2010s. Um, I think that's your first season back in the championship so i'm going to say 2016-17 when you finished like mid-table on the money oh man i'm on fire that's for you you are on fire the last (laughs) couple of weeks (laughs) yeah it's a bit embarrassing maybe that's the thing i'm wearing two modern kits i need to go back to the ones from like the 50s and uh, (laughs) yeah i struggled with with those um what are your memories of that time then uh i mean Footballing wise, terrible. This is probably when I had like one of the biggest disconnects between football uh, and like. But we were at uni this year. This is mm, would have been our kinda, second year at uni. Yeah, didn't go to as many games and stuff. It's not. It's really nice. But I was thinking through it. I think this season yeah. I went to like three or four games, which is mad. I did one game this season, mm. which was the Second City derby at Villa Park, which was the day I bought this shirt. I got it oh, twenty really? quid in the end of year sale. Mm. Um. Really hoping I was going to get to see Gianfranco Zola and Instagram to watch Harry Redknapp. <laughs> Harry Redknapp, yeah. His yeah. first game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, which was um, that was a great experience because that was the first time I'd been to Villa Park since the final day of the 14-15 season. Wow. wow. Um, which was when we lost to Burnley 1-0. Danny Ings got the winner, which I talked about, I think, last week, just before the cup final. Yeah, because the, fol- the following year we was was our first year at uni. And so uh, I did two games, but they were both the away days in Southampton, which is where I was at uni. Yeah, so, was. And I, I would have done the second City derby in the cup that year, but it was the first week of uni. It was fresh as well. Yeah, I, I was go. furious. I was furious. Yeah, yeah like uh, I remember, yeah, it was like my third or fourth night at uni. Dragged some people to the pub to watch this game. They didn't give a crap about, <laughs> about the game. I was like, we are watching this game. Yeah. But no, um what I remember that second city derby wasn't televised as well. Really bizarre. Yeah, it wasn't. But, yeah. But I think it was because we were so bad that year. And yeah. you were rubbish as well. And when they did the TV picks, you maybe weren't going down at that point. Yeah. Uh, there was, and, yeah. And then obviously you went into sort of free fall, got Harry Redknapp, but they'd already done the TV pick. So it was just one of those non-televised games. Mm. But I'll never forget 
been outside the ground, like I just bought my shirt and like you're getting excited. And we looked at the team news and I saw uh, Gabby Bonhoeffer was back in the squad and he was on the bench. I remember saying to our friend Liam, who I went to the game with, I said, I was, I was like, I want to put a bet on on my phone because Gabby's going to score today. I'm turning you. And like the Gabby Bonhoeffer's legacy at Villa was in ruins at this point. Nobody gave a shit anymore. He was, he was like the forgotten man. And, um, but the classic Villa Park signal meant I couldn't open the app on my phone. It just wouldn't have it. And so I never put the bet on. Oh. Um, so, how much do yeah. you reckon you would have landed if you'd put it on? Probably not. Well, I probably wouldn't have put more than like a few <laughs> He's quid a striker, on it, so... to be fair. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. But like, I, I reckon of all of the games I could have got odds on for Gabby to score and Villa to win, that probably would have been pretty good odds for him because it was right at the tail end. Mm. Um but that was a great moment. That was one of my that's one of my favorite Villa Park moments was like that sort of Angbon Lahore redemption arc where he came off the bench with like 10 minutes to go and scored like a really scrappy winner and the place just went mad. And like, you know, even though I hadn't been to many games, we had quite a few on telly over those seasons in the championship. Like no one was singing his name and yet the whole place was singing his name that day. Yeah. Um I saw Dr. Tony Gia, the the old owner, like he he walked onto the pitch. He was only like like he was within like a few meters away, really. It was only a few rows in front of me, so uh, that's, I think that's like the only time I ever saw him. Oh, wow. um, but yeah, like him walking around, going like, yeah, yeah, like sure. you don't have a clue what's going on, <laughs> yeah, you fraud, you con man. <laughs> um, I know the feeling, yeah, but I absolutely love this shirt, it's one of my favorite villa shirts, might be. You know, a bit of a rogue one to throw out there. I've had a lot of wear out of this. And we have just changed our branding on uh, the Second City podcast, but this was the shirt that was oh, yeah, in the original course, branding. Yeah. Of course, yeah, of course. outside the, uh, the fountain in Malta. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. Um, very good. Let's get on to the real event, though. Come on. Yeah, I think I think you've, you've trumped it. I mean, this is classic classic shirts isn't it and that's an original as well le coq sportif le coq sportif um, phones, phones for, you. for you blue with like a kind of black on like some of the sleeves and stuff yeah. and then the collar yeah like like i was thinking like as we've gone through some of these kits like the two like sponsors that are like so iconic for me of growing up in the second city on the blue shirts, it's phones for you and flyby. But the same yeah. about phones for you. I remember the old and advert it, it, where it was like phones for you. Yeah, I think you. it's because it's so it is so dated now. It's like yeah. it, it's such a product of its time. Like I think that's why it's so. Uh, but what year do you think it is? It's it's got to be early two thousands. I, I I you know what? What I I said this the other week as well. Is you have just such a rogue kit makers like you had an X Tech, <laughs> yeah. you have Lonsdale, and you got the Cox Sportive. Yeah, like, again another oh. total product of its time. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's got to be around somewhere like two thousand three, two thousand four. One year out. This is two thousand and two, oh. three. This is. Probably top three all-time blues kits. It is, of course, yeah. on my famous. Um, oh yeah, kits through, kits, uh, kits through the years uh, poster behind me. Uh, this is our first year in the Premier League. Beat Villa three 0 at home. Peter Enkelman with one of the great moments. Beat them two 0 away uh, at Villa Park. Uh, you know, Jeff Jeff Horsfield like bopping the ball away from Enkelman. That's the, the headbutt scoring. The headbutt. The Dion Dublin well, headbutt. Yeah. Uh, Christoph Dugary, Stan Lazaridis, Robbie Savage, Aliou Cisse, Stern John, Clinton Morrison, Stephen Clements, Kenny Cunningham. Like my like so we finished 13th and obviously had the two wins over Villa, which were like by all accounts like incredible, and like you watch them back and they are like amazing. But we actually went on a really poor run of form. Um and then Dugary you know, World Cup winner, Euros winner turned up and um, I mentioned on the podcast last week that um, I asked Stephen Carr at uh, the evening with Stephen Carr if you could play with one Blues player before or after your time that you didn't get the chance to play with, who would it be? And he said Dugary and the guy came in, we won four games in a row and it propelled us, um, uh, you know, to safety. My only regret with all this is that we were like young children. <laughs> like I, I like yeah. don't like remember it. Um, you know, it's one I've seen on the VHS a million times, I've seen on YouTube a million times. I wish I was kind of obviously I was a lot older with the cup final, but similarly, I wish I was older for these things and I could like really 
appreciate these things um a lot more but yeah like uh unreal kit shout out to uh james for lending me this one again just phenomenal kit and just like football kits when they were like baggy and like that sort of era they just looked different didn't it, it just looked better yeah, you know? yeah. the material's so different though they're, i'd say they're not as comfortable maybe no. as like the modern kits it, who cares though this is um you know like yeah all-time classic kit and uh Proper Bruce era. So, yeah, 2002-03 home shirt. This is outrageous. Even the badges in a shield as well. Like, yeah, it's, it's so rogue. Yeah. But, yeah, great season. Great great time. Steve Bruce, a three-time Premier League champion who also won an additional three FA Cups and two League Cups as a player. He'd make 84 league appearances for Birmingham City between 1996 and 1998 before going on to manage them from December 2001. That would prove to be a crazy year for the former Manchester United captain, having three managerial jobs in 10 months, resigning from Wigan Athletic after losing the second division playoffs before a whirlwind three-month stint at Crystal Palace when Birmingham City came calling. After two promotions, a relegation and a fallout with the ownership at St Andrews, he'd leave the Blues in November 2007 for a then world record compensation fee of £3 million for Wigan Athletic. But he wasn't finished managing in the second city. In October 2016, after a second stint at Wigan and spells at Sunderland and Hull City, Steve Bruce was appointed as manager of Aston Villa. But two years later, he was sacked after a run of one win in 10 matches following a playoff final defeat to Fulham the previous season. A short stint at Sheffield Wednesday before a shock move to Newcastle saw him hit 1,000 games in club management. His most recent job was back in the West Midlands again, this time with West Bromwich Albion from February 2022. However, eight months later, he was sacked with the club 22nd in the Championship. Oh, Bruce, man. He is like the big guns of players and managers to do the cross-city divide. And he didn't just do it <laughs> in the West Midlands. No, yeah, he's, he does it everywhere. He's a um, time where? Uh, did he do um, the Sheffield? Did he, he did Sheffield, Sheffield United some, Very yeah. briefly, but yeah, he did do it. And yeah, and obviously he did Blues Villa and West Brom. And West Brom. Um, yeah, the guy has no morals at all. <laughs> the guy is merciless. <laughs> Um, but yeah, just thought it'd be cool to have a bit of a reflection on on Bruce and his legacy at both clubs and so on. Um, should we start with, I guess, should we start with Blues? Obviously, he managed Yeah, Blue, I think we'll uh, go chronologically but, through it, yeah. Yeah, sure. So um, it's kind of mad, obviously, like, he first came to Blues in 1996, so we weren't even, like, born. But I was kind of looking into, like, how that must have been. So he was the Man United captain before that, and then he came to Blues, who were in the second division, and... Maybe we're knocking on the door of playoffs and stuff, but we haven't been in the Premier or the first division, now the Premier League, for like well over 10 years. Like, oh, well, about 10 years. So the only thing I could really think of even to compare that to is like, you know, when like John Terry went to Villa. Yeah, the only other one I had was Rio Ferdinand going to QPR. Weren't QPR in the Premier League though when he signed? They were, yeah. It wasn't, Uh, it's more akin to John Terry, yeah. Yeah, like it's just a really mad, that must have been such, must have been such a coup. Um, and apparently the rumour, like, at the time was, you know, like, uh, this really worked out, but you know, like, how when Troy Deeney just went to Forest Green Rovers or when Rooney yeah. went to Derby, he's there was player-coach or something like that, yeah. or they're a player, but they're so obviously being primed for the manager job. Um, and I, I think a lot of people suspected that was the case here with Bruce coming to Blues. Like, why would he come to Blues? Like, you know, unless there's something deeper going on. Um, but yeah, he actually left... Uh, he played for the club for I think he played nearly ninety times I think we said, um, scored a few goals but ended up going to Sheffield United and ended up uh, going to a few clubs before Blues pinched him again off Crystal Palace in two thousand and one and Blues were actually pretty mid table I think we were ninth or tenth when he came in and he had half a season to you know we'd kind of knocked on the playoffs door a few times got into the playoff semi finals never made it to the final. And within six months, he had us promoted, which is pretty remarkable, really. Beat Norwich in the playoff final at the Millennium Stadium and famously beat Millwall in the semi-final away. He scored, uh, I think it was Stone John scored in like the absolute... It was it was when the playoffs had away goals in it and he scored... Was it was it on away goals? I think we were going out on away goals and then he scored uh, to make it 2-1 on aggregate, which sent us through, which is pretty mental. Um, by all accounts, it was a pretty insane night. Um 
And then Bruce's like legacy at Blues is mainly the Premier League years, though. I think I talked to him what we're wearing about this season, 0203, where we finished 13th. And everyone had us written off. Everyone said we were going to go down, as they often do with the team that wins the playoffs. But a huge achievement to to keep us up for one season. And then the second season, we really kicked up a gear. We brought in players like David Dunn and Mikhail Fussell on loan. Actually started the season really well. I remember we beat Newcastle away 1-0. Um, I think it was uh, Spurs we beat at home as well. All in like the early weeks of the season, we were really setting a statement. And this season, we actually ended up finishing 10th, but which obviously was a huge achievement. To be promoted and within two years finish 10th is a huge achievement. But it's actually quite misleading because we were we had such a good season that we... Um, we're actually fifth as late as I think probably like late March, early April. And so for us to finish 10th, we had a real kind of tail off at the end of the season and really dropped back. But still some great games that year. This year we we drew Villa 2-2 away when we scored in the last minute to equalise. Uh, Stern John again scoring in the last minute to draw 2-2. Must have been another game I wish I'd been like older for and could have maybe been at or seen live. It must have been amazing. Um and that was probably like the peak for Bruce in terms of us really propelling ourselves up the football pyramid. The following season, we finished 12th. We brought in like kind of the club spending really got bigger. Like what, uh, we brought in our record transfer fee with like Heskey coming in and it was seen as a real statement of intent and like we were just going to keep growing and probably, uh, you know, push for Europe and so on. And we ended up finishing 12th. Another good season. We did the double over Villa, beat them 2-1 away, 2-0 at home. We beat West Brom 4-0. Uh, we had a really good run around sort of Christmas time. But uh, I think we beat Liverpool. Did we beat, I think we did the double over Liverpool this season as well. Um, but on the whole, it's weird like how we finished 10th in 03-04 and 12th in 04-05. Sounds very similar, but it's actually kind of very different seasons in a way. And in our second season in the Premier League, we were really up there all season and kind of tailed away at the end. The following season was kind of the reverse of that. We were very much in kind of the mid-lower table for a lot of the season and then had enough results to kind of bump us up to like 12, which looks very respectable. So I think it was seen as a slight disappointment, but on the whole, Bruce has been there for three years and, you know, we've just about stayed, you know, had three solid seasons, no major relegation battles, almost have seemed very positive. And then I think it's... um kind of the the following season where Bruce easily had his worst season. So Bruce was at the club for like around six years and the 05-06 season is is by far the worst, like unquestionably. It's the only one which is a clear failure. Um, I, I remember the, the season review, like DVD uh, of the previous season ends with a phrase like, I can't remember exactly, but it's something like, you know, the future was bright or the only way was... Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so obviously, in our fourth season in the Premier League, obviously we got relegated, uh, finished 18th. So that was his history. Full His Premier League time at Blues was 13th, 10th, 12th, 18th. So that was a huge drop-off. We this is the first season I really remember, like, kind of clearly, if you know what I mean, or remember, like, specific memories from. Um, and... We'd lost players like Robbie Savage had left the year before. Mikhail Fussell's injury record really wasn't all that. And then you start relying on players like... We, we had some good players come in. Like, I remember like Yuri Yarishik came in this year and so on. But um, uh, I mean, it says a lot. That's the, <laughs> 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 that's that's the, the level. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, we just lost some key players in key areas. And then players like Julian Gray and Walter Pandiani and a really out of form Emil Heskey were like getting a lot more game time. And Blues were just a disaster. It was the first time you beat us in the Premier League. Uh, we lost 7-0 to Liverpool in the FA Cup quarterfinal. Um, and it, I remember even as like a, we would have been like, like eight or nine years old in this season. And I remember even at the time feeling like, yeah, like as an optimistic <laughs> child, I was still like, man, we are bad. <laughs> like, yeah. um, like, um, although bizarrely, I think I mentioned this on another podcast, we beat Portsmouth 5-0 this season. Yeah. And it was the first time I ever watched match of the day and I didn't know what the score was. And we I turned it on and we were on first and we won 5-0. And I was like, yeah, this is every week. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Blues, yeah, we got relegated. I think our last game was against, was it against Bolton? No, yeah, our last game was against Bolton and I think we got relegated against, we drew nil-nil against Newcastle and Everson, I think it was, and we got relegated. Um, and yeah, it was the first time in Blues' 
uh, Bruce's Blues career where he'd have like real adversity he'd come up against and a lot of questions were being asked of him. But the board like kept faith in him and we, we went down and he completely reinvented the squad. Obviously, we went down and we had the pedigree of coming down with parachute payments and having some Premier League level players, but a lot of players left, like Heskey left permanently, Jermaine Pennant went to Liverpool and so on. But he used the money and obviously we did have the biggest budget in the championship, but he used it in the right ways. We got players like Nicholas Bentner in on loan. It was actually this kit behind me, which I wore last week, 06 or 07, um, was that season. Uh, brought players in on loan from Arsenal, Mwamba, Larson, Bentner were all unreal. I remember Bentner scored the winner in, in the first game of the season against uh, Colchester, I think it was. And um, Gary McSheffrey came in from Coventry. And yeah, he just rebuilt the team and kept key players like Stephen Clements and Mike Taylor. And then with this young, fresh blood, the team was, a, it was a really exciting team to watch. And we ended up finishing second, should have won the league. As I mentioned last week, we, we really should have won it and let it really drop the ball in the last game. So we deserved a lot of credit for getting through another sticky patch in sort of October, November that season. And we went on like an insane run into the new year. I remember we beat, I think it was Sheffield United, we beat 4-2 away, we beat Newcastle 5-1 in the FA Cup, beat West Brom 2-0 at home, which is a, a brilliant game, with Gary McSheffrey, which is absolutely on fire. I think we beat Southend like 4-0. Um, Southend, not Southampton. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just there was a point uh, we, we were just like unstoppable, just felt absolutely invincible. Yeah. Um, and I have a lot of great memories from that season as well. It's another very early like footballing memory season. Uh, for me, a season I remember very clearly in my memory from uh, from a young age. Um, and then, yes, yeah, so we get promoted again the following season. And obviously the expectation is that we'll go back down. But obviously Bruce's story ended there. We um, we came back up and we bought, we did spend money. We bought players in, but I think we look back on it and they, <laughs> I'm not fully sure, like, we're not fully sure on what like Bruce's involvement was in the transfers and who had the final say. But when we did eventually get relegated again this season, but Bruce left in the November, his last game was actually against Villa. We lost 2-1. Um, and I think it was David Sullivan actually blamed Bruce and a lot of the signs that he brought in. And that's probably because the players we brought in were players like Daniel Derrida. Oliver like, Capo. Oliver Capo. Like, not some some of these players played well. Like, Liam Ridgewell went on to be a good player for Blues. I'd argue, though, his first season with us was not his best by a long way. Frank Wadrew... Ended up being a, a good, good player, for Blues. yeah, and he was a good like, player before he joined you as well. Sure, I'd argue though this season they just weren't at it. Gary yeah. O'Connor, like you know, um, uh, oh, what's it? Raphael Schmitz was his name. He's terrible. Johan Juru, like, <laughs> like he went on to be a World Cup international, um, and yeah. So I would argue the squad was not well equipped to stay up, and he left almost like just before the halfway point. And I think if you compare like his and McLeish's. Obviously, McLeish came in after him. If you compare it, there's a there's sort of actual different... Uh, their difference in results record is actually very similar. There's actually not much of a difference at all. So I'd argue we were probably on a path to get relegated, um, even though I think we were more like 15th or 16th when he went. And I think, as we mentioned in our, our bio, a lot of the reason why he left was uh, there's a takeover, supposedly was going on with Carson Young, didn't end up happening for a couple of years. And there was a lot of uncertainty over his contract. And then Wigan came in with a big offer to take him off our hands and and that's exactly what happened. So Bruce left, he'd been there nearly six years and it was obviously the first time in my life as a Blues fan, a manager, a managerial change happened. Um, so I guess the question is, what's his legacy at Blues? How is he remembered? How do I remember him? Um, it's weird because as well, obviously since then he's become a bit of a meme, I think it's fair to say. Like Steve Bruce is yeah. like, we had a podcast called Wayne Rooney Scream Sexy. Obviously, it was an ironic title. <laughs> Steve Bruce really doesn't scream sexy. Like he's, I don't know. He's kind of become a really outdated, like... He's, yeah, he's like the... If you were to go typical fo modern-day footballing dinosaurs, you'd have Bruce and Allardyce. Warnock, and... yeah. Yeah. Like, McCarthy. Like, maybe unfair, but that's kind of just what he's become known as. I think his legacy has to be, though, he was right at the time like some of the memories he was there for was you know i mentioned i talked about this season earlier the reason the kit is so beloved is because the season was so great you know like and like you know promotion again i wish i'd been a bit older to like experience all that and then finishing top 10 in the premier league those wins against villa like not to harp on about it but they must have been like amazing you know and like i'm glad but... i don't remember those <laughs> yeah sure exactly and i think that says a lot about how good his time 
but what probably was on the whole um he probably left at the right time it probably was time to bring some fresh blood in regardless but i think in nearly six years at the club he only really had one season that was like an absolute failure and the one see the one full season he had that i really remember clearly was that promotion season where we finished second and it was like it's great you know and that must have been how a lot of his time felt you maybe you maybe don't fully appreciate it in the moment but obviously within a few years of him leaving you know the club was stuck in the championship for years and years and years and i think the bruce era is remembered a lot more fondly now i guess um so yeah that's his time at blues obviously his record in the derbies was excellent although it did tail off towards the end we had a few losses at the end but yeah i think he has to be remembered as despite obviously going to Villa years later, he has to be remembered quite fondly, I think, I guess, at St Andrews. And very differently to Alex McLeish as well, is that the like the gap between being at Blues and being at Villa was so big. Like, Yeah, of course. It was like 10 years. <laughs> yeah, of course. The thing with McLeish was he literally left Blues to go to Villa. But yeah, what, what about like his time at Villa? What are your, like, obviously it was a lot, it was shorter and a lot later, but what are your like thoughts on that? I well, I I remember. I mean, this period was terrible. It's the lowest of the lows. Like as much as I love this kit, probably the lowest I have ever felt as a Villa fan was in this kit, and it was just before Bruce arrived. Which is, um, so we were in the first round of the League Cup. Like, like you know, having been in the Premier League for all those years to then be relegated so badly, <laughs> and then be in the first round of the League Cup. Like ooh, that's ooh. like. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's like a real humbling like and uh, i remember we drew luton away and i think they were either like league one or league two they certainly went championship and like we obviously hadn't won away from home since the opening day of the previous season and we went there we played the, a really strong 11 like just to win away from home we went a goal up and then lost 3-1 with Joseph Corre scoring one of the worst own goals I have ever seen. Honestly, that was like, it, it was so pathetic, that game was. I like, I remember thinking, you know that that meme of the the old Accrington Stanley manager where he goes, I'm just falling out of love with football. I don't see the point anymore. <laughs> it was like, that, that was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um. So we, so obviously Di Matteo, it just didn't work. And, you know, for him, it didn't really work anywhere other than, that miracle run with Chelsea. It's Although he did do Chelsea, at West Brom yeah. as well. He was good at West Brom, in fact. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, fair. Um, but he was just not the right man for that job at the time. The rebuild that was, that was required. And the only reason he'd really been hired is because Tony Gira was like, ah, this guy's won the Champions League. What a coup. Yeah. Um, and so we were really struggling. And so he was sacked after like 10 games. And we just needed an experienced championship manager that knew that could do a rebuild, but also knew how to get us promoted. Obviously we're a club that had never been relegated from the premier league. Cause like, the last time we'd been relegated was a generation before, you know, you see clubs now, uh, you know, I'm going to, you know, throw like your Burnley, your typical Norwich. They know how to bounce back. You know, so many clubs come down and they just know what they need to do to get straight back up. You know, Newcastle did it the same season. Um, Leicester are doing it this year. We didn't have a clue. We spent like 100 million quid in the summer. We signed loads of players. We basically signed a completely new squad and we did the same in January. And this is Bruce's January after he joined where we signed. This was this was the insane January we had. So we signed a young kid called Jacob Bediou to go to be uh, one for the future. Never played for us and went on a freebie. Uh, his career has completely fallen apart. Uh, we signed Neil Taylor, James Bree, Berke Bjarnason, Connor Hurahan, Sam Johnston, Henry Lansbury. And we splashed like 15 million quid on Scott Hogan on deadline day. Ooh. We were talking about bad January buys like the other week. And we said, usually... You're doing, you know, you're doing well because you don't buy anyone in January or you only buy like one. And it's, you know, how many players did I just say there? Three, four, five, six, like eight players in January. Like it's just ridiculous. Big money as well. Yeah. Um, but obviously th these were going to be Steve Bruce's players. Um, and yeah, Scott Hogan, it just never worked out. Henry Lansbury, 
after this season, just couldn't stay fit. Sam Johnston had a shocky six-month loan, but then was really, really good the following year when we had him on loan again. Connor Horahan, I there are not enough superlatives in, in our dictionary for that I could say about Connor Horahan. He was a magnificent buy for the money that we paid. Berkey Bjarnason, good player. It just, no, just never really worked out. No one could ever get him in the team. Uh, James Bree, I spoke about him the other week, just, just wasn't to be. Neil Taylor, a good servant. And Jacob Bediou was never really seen again. Um, but as I said, we were desperate. We were the lowest of the lows. Bruce was like the perfect championship manager that was available, who'd probably come. And so very different to Alex McLeish. It was kind of like a relief when we got him. Like he'd definitely been putting himself out in the media because he, he knew this sort of job was coming available. Obviously we were a huge club in the championship and it just, it seemed like it'd be a good match, at least for the years that we would be rebuilding. Um, that first season, as I said, was a disaster. Regard, and it wasn't really anything to do with him. That just the club, the team, it just wasn't there. We were still having this clear out of the deadwood that got us uh, relegated, and then loads of the players that we'd signed in the summer were no good either. Ross McCormack, Aaron Tishbola, just two that come to mind immediately. That were just it, Richie Delat. Oh. So we finished thirteenth. We didn't. We somehow didn't lose a derby this year. Especially the one at St Andrews. The home. Yeah, the one at St Andrews. Oh, so was that his first? Was that? uh, No, it wasn't his first game, was it? It wasn't his um, first game, but it was was very early. Really early. Yeah, Yeah. because I remember it got announced and that he was going there, and it was the Bluesville game was being hyped up anyway because it was the first league meeting for like a few years, and then the Bruce thing got out and yeah. we were like oh <laughs> you know it's gonna be tough and i think you, you must have said rowett at this point because obviously you had rowett yeah. who's the supposed villa fan growing up and, yeah, and yeah. bruce the ex-blues manager yeah yeah <laughs> like but like i think back to like all the derbies that we've had i that is one that i remember dreading like really worried oh. we would lose like, we were like on fire at the time i don't know how we didn't win we should have won it as well 100 percent yeah, but I mean, we obviously Gary Gardner scored, didn't he, to go and mm. goal up and uh, ran the full length of the pitch. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> sure. Oh. Um, but oh, yeah. yeah. Die Hard Blues fan, Gary Gardner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, we finished 13th. It was uh, an awful, awful season. Um, and I think, oh yeah, we drew Tottenham in the third round of the FA Cup. So, you know, obviously we didn't go anywhere in the FA Cup that year. Um, the following year, this was meant to be the big year then. So obviously we'd had like eight months of Bruce. He had a full preseason. We were starting to feel the effects of the crazy summer and January that we'd had though. Like, obviously we, I said, we spent like a hundred million quid plus over these two windows. All of a sudden we hit the, the, the next summer and we can't really spend anything, um, we bought, we got Glenn Whelan on a free. We gave Chris Samba a contract on a freebie. I remember. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> God. And he would have made the worst 11 if we hadn't signed him in the summer. Like, oh, fair enough. Yeah. A waste of time. Um, <laughs> uh, who else? And then we got, but then we got the loan signings of Sam Johnston, uh, the loan signing of Robert Snodgrass. I remember that was a real coup. I was very, very excited by that one. Uh, and obviously we got John Terry on a free as well. Um, and like, we, I think we spoke about this before on the podcast, because he was either going to Villa or Blues. Like that oh, was the big story. Which one was, was he going to? I was certain he was coming to Blues. I wasn't even like nervous about it. I was yeah. like, oh yeah, it's, yeah, like it's happening. A hundred percent it's happening. That's so exciting. And yeah, but they reckon it was like his connection with Bruce that like got him in there. Yeah. So I- Kind yeah, of swayed yeah. him, and the fact that Villa were offering probably double the money that Blues are offering. Well, I mean, we know that we were offering him an insane amount of money, and and I think um, Tommy Elphick revealed in an interview with the Athletic that, like, um, obviously he came in and just got given the captain's armband, and also um, he also like had a clause in his contract where, like, if he was fit, he had to play. Like, mm-hmm. you know, th- this is John Terry, obviously. Yeah, yes. Um, and don't get me wrong, he was amazing for us. He was he was a brilliant signing, and 
it's a shame we couldn't have had him for the following year because he still had it, you know. Um, mm. He could have done another year in the championship. Um, but as I said, the season didn't quite go out how we wanted to. Um, we missed out on promotion um, because we had that heartbreaking. And I know everything worked out in the end. It doesn't take it away how heartbreaking that loss to Fulham in the playoffs was. Like, it, it was it was awful. Like, I, I've watched us lose cup finals, like three cup finals, and it's like really sad and disappointing. It is nothing compared to losing the playoff final. Like, it's the best game to win and the worst to lose. Mm. Um, but Fulham were the better team and they deserved to go up. And I, th- I just showed that even we weren't quite there. There was something just not quite working. I think you know that was there because the squad was more than capable to go off, to to go up. Do you think Bruce, like, obviously you finished fifth or fourth? Do you think Bruce should have done better with the players that he had? Do you think automatic should have been because Card didn't Cardiff finish second that year? Card- like Cardiff, Cardiff went up. Like... Yeah, but they were really good in the championship that mm. year. Like, um, he just found a way to get them firing. But we did beat them at Villa Park. Uh, Jack Grealish scored a wonder goal late on, and like they battered us and like somehow hadn't scored. Um, I forgot who went up top that Wolves, year. Wolves, Wolves, yeah. I was Wolves, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. Wolves were like. They are but they signed loads of Premier League yeah. like Premier League caliber players. So yeah, of um, course. although we did beat them at Villa Park that season 4-1, which was like unreal. Hmm. Um but yeah, I think the, the expectation would have been automatic promotion. Um, you know, but even in the playoffs, you know, we, we got past Middlesbrough, who were a decent team at that time. I think they had Tony Pulis in charge. Yeah. Um, but obviously Fulham had gone on like this really good run, like akin to what we would do the following year, where they just looked unstoppable in like the last three months of the season. And they were always the favourites going into the playoffs. And uh unfortunately, that is what happened. They they did beat us on in the final. Um but as I said, it all worked out in the end. I think had we have beaten Fulham and gone up, we would have come straight back down, almost certainly. Like that, th- that team was good enough to go up, but it was nowhere near equipped to stay in the Premier League, and the ownership was nowhere near equipped to fund a Premier League season, um, as we saw by losing because they gambled so much on spending like a hundred hundred million quid plus paying for John Terry's swan song at Villa for a year. The club had no money by losing the playoff final. We didn't have any money and the club nearly went bust. And and it isn't an exaggeration that cl- the club almost didn't exist because of the ownership failings. Um, we didn't know if Steve Bruce was going to stay. We didn't know if any of the players were going to stay. You know, we were, you know, Look, at one point we nearly had to sell Jack Greenish for three million plus Josh Onoma. Like to to think, just like a five, not even five years later, we'd sell him for a hundred million to Manchester City. Um, but nonetheless, we did uh, we did survive. Uh, we didn't go under. Um, it did mean that we missed out on signing Sam Johnston permanently. Obviously, he went to West Brom instead, just because. He wanted to make sure he had a club. Like he didn't want to be on Manchester City. He didn't want another loan move from Manchester United. And while he would have signed for us if we'd have gone in for him, we couldn't go in for him because we didn't have any money. Um, but in fairness, you know, um, we were able to hang on to Bruce, which was definitely a big thing, at least for me anyway. I remember thinking like, because a lot after we got the new ownership, the big rumor was Bruce was going, Thierry Henry's that's going to be the new manager. And I just remember seeing these reports going, please don't do this. Please don't do I, this. I remember the, when that was the rumour. I saw you know, the meme of, um, is it from like The Office or something? It's like Ricky Gervais when he like, is it from The Office when he like turns yeah. around and he sees like his mom and then he looks back and he goes, oh, for fuck's sake. And he yeah. like Steve Bruce turned around and seeing Thierry Henry. <laughs> I think, I, I don't know what show, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know what show that's from. Yeah, I, I think but, it's yeah. The Office. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I remember thinking, like I I remember at the time thinking, like Thierry Henry was like a rookie manager, unproven. It's like we've just we've we've just seen what Di Matteo was like, and that guy had managed before. Like, mm. why would you get rid of 
I know we didn't go up, but why would you get rid of like your experienced knows how to get promoted manager and bring in someone who is a complete unknown? Yes, he might be the next I don't know, Mikel Arteta, but he could also be the next Steven Gerrard, mm. you know, um, or Gianfranco Zola. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, that didn't happen, um, but we did not start the season very well. And it was really clear very early on that, you know, we weren't in great shape. We had a great squad. Obviously, we'd had a, a, you know, despite nearly going under, you know, we'd signed the likes of Tammy Abraham, Yannick Balassi, Anwar Al Ghazi, John McGinn in the summer, uh, Oyen Nyland. Um, you know, we got Twanzabi back on loan again. And we just didn't get going in the start of the season. But the results don't really show that. So we won on the opening night against Hull, uh, where we did play well. And we came, I think we came from a goal down to win 3-1. And then we had a last gasp, late 3-2 win against Wigan. and But then then we drew 2-2 with Brentford. But like we were, we were doing all right, but we weren't. We weren't great. Sort of. Yeah, and like we then went on a really bad run and things just seemed to be falling apart. And I remember we played Blackburn away and we were rubbish. We were a goal down thinking like and th- I remember this game being the game where I went, I think he's gotta go. Even though we salvaged a point at the end, Connor Horahan scored a late, late free kick, wonderful goal. Um, and it all culminated in a really toxic night at Villa Park where we played Preston. I don't know if you remember this game, Dan. We were in a pub together in Selly Oak. I do, yeah, I do. I, I, had, think the, I, I had a stream of the game on my phone. Let me guess. Glenn Whelan taking a penalty? Yes, Glenn <laughs> Whelan's late penalty miss. It was a game where, like, I remember getting in the taxi to go to the pub and we'd just gone 2-0 up just before half time. I think Tammy Abraham, did he have a brace? He certainly scored one. And I was like, oh, okay, all right, we're gonna we should win tonight now. And Preston were bottom of the league, let's not forget. And uh like by the time we get to the pub with a few drinks in, I remember like getting the stream up on my phone and we were like, it was we were two we were three two down or something crazy. It was like we just completely fell apart. And then um we managed to score it. I think was it Yannick Balassi made it three three, and then we got a late penalty. And Glenn Wheeler missed the penalty. Bruce had had a cabbage thrown at him before the game. And uh, it to show that like the the writing was on the wall. Oya Nyland, I was never a big fan of Nyland. I, I just he wasn't a good shot stopper when he joined. He couldn't catch, he couldn't distribute. And I remember I remember being, I think it was maybe the Bolton game. We won one nil. Oh no, that would have been under Dean. Oh, it would have been under Dean Smith, but I remember being at the Bolton game. And like he went to make a catch and he dropped it. He went out for a corner, and like everyone's going flipping neck Nyland. And somebody next to me went, "Yeah, you got to expect this with these young keepers." And I went, "Sorry, mate, he's twenty-eight. He's not a young goalkeeper." <laughs> like, sure. yeah. um, but he dropped Bruce dropped him that night, mm. and he played Mark Bunn instead. Like Mark Bunn hadn't played, like barely played in his career. Mm. Like it was just that sort of desperation to like something's got to change. It's like before Dean Smith went, he just randomly dropped Tyrone Mings because he just he was just panicking and didn't really know what to do to make things work. Yeah, and um, yeah, he didn't survive after that. He was sacked, sort of in disgrace. I think it's fair to say, like it ended so badly, so toxically, so sourly when he'd arrived. There'd been such optimism. Obviously, we didn't lose a derby under him. We won both the home games, drew both the away games. Um, But it all, you know, you look back on it and I think it's fair to say, like the playoff final defeat took a lot out of the out of him the club the team like that that and the summer that that followed and you know and it was fair play he could have walked away in that summer he chose to stick it out and and kind of see what would happen um it just wasn't to be i think in the end yeah and it's kind of interesting obviously with blues were talking like 20 years ago but with Villa, it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like that long ago that Bruce was at Villa because it wasn't. No, it's not at all. Like, you know, like what, like six, seven, eight years ago. But um, like in the grand scheme of things, 
But it's interesting, we were talking about like how Bruce is kind of considered, like you mentioned a few names, like Bruce is considered this like outdated like manager. Mm-hmm. But all the names we just mentioned are all the names that, so like when he was at Villa, we had Harry Redknapp. You mentioned Tony Pulis was at Middlesbrough. Yeah. Neil Warnock got promoted with, um, <laughs> Cardiff. with Cardiff. It's weird how like they've all, and I know they've always been a bit like butt of a few jokes and stuff, but like those managers like would, like it's mad to think, you couldn't imagine Warnock getting a, Team promoted Allardyce now. would have been the England manager at a point around yeah, this as yeah, well. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? Like, it's mad to think how much football has changed in, like, these few years. Um, yeah, because it's really not that long ago. But when do you think... Because, like, Bruce, obviously, since then, he went to... He briefly was at Sheffield Wednesday. Then somehow got a Premier League job at Newcastle, um, which is very rare to have, like, a... Kind of be sacked from the Championship and then go into a Premier League job. And, obviously, the Newcastle fans hated him, even though he's kind of... Yeah. You know, he is one of their own. And he did okay there in the end, given that everyone expected them to get relegated. But yeah, yeah, I, I think the whole Eddie Howe thing since then, obviously, he's done so yeah. well with the, obviously his circumstance with their takeover and stuff. But West Brom was undeniably a total failure for him. He, they yeah. were they were terrible. We out, I don't know how we only won three two. We outplayed them at the Hawthorns one night, and I think that was maybe his last game uh, or one of his very last games with West Brom. He was only there about ten months. They had the lowest finish in over twenty years. So where does where do you think Bruce is now? Like what is he finished like as a manager? I think he is, although I keep like half expecting him to end up at like QPR or something yeah, in the next like couple a, of weeks. That's like, a great yeah. Mm. He's probably it feels like he's maybe quietly retired, is kind of the impression we yeah. get. I mean he left Baggies eighteen months ago nearly now. So it's quite a while ago. Um, maybe maybe he was waiting for Wolves to get relegated and then he could collect like, the, <laughs> the, the, the West yeah. Midlands Infinity Stones, you yeah. know. <laughs> Coventry after that. <laughs> Warsaw, Solihull Moors, <laughs> like Alf Church, um, uh, uh, Bromsgrove Sporting. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so in like Bruce's time at Villa, do you regret is a weird word do you wish it ever happened did it feel like a waste of time no no it was definitely he would he like it ended really badly and it it was as i said it was like time to it was he'd had his time and it was the right time to go it was just a shame the way it went maybe he should have gone in the summer and and probably if he looks back maybe he, he probably would have if he could have his time again he probably would have walked in the summer mm. um because his stock was quite high um but he really steadied the ship and and we were like i said we were completely all over the place like off the off the pitch on the pitch we were a disjointed mess and he did rebuild us and we went you know i said we finished 13th and then all of a sudden we were in the playoffs and we were so close to promotion and you know a lot of the success that followed is because of him you know, mm. the players that we went up with were mostly the players he signed in the summer. And do you think Tommy he had Abraham. a saying in do you think he had a saying yeah. in spying them? Yeah. Yeah, definitely at that time, definitely. Um, but you know, because we didn't really get like a, a transfer like um like director in yeah, sure. until Dean Smith's appointment. But you know, John McGinn was a Steve Bruce buy. El Ghazi was a Steve Bruce loan. Tammy Abraham, who almost, you know, between him and Jack Grealish, like they sing, the, the, the pair of them got us promoted near enough, like with how good they were. Um, El Ghazi, cult hero, had a great, had a great time at the club. So it, it, he, he was pivotal in, in signing some key players that we, we had James Chester. He was his man, El Mohammadi, you know, I, I always thought he'd go on to make like a great director of football because he always seemed to have a, you know, yes, he had some real duds in there and like Scott Hogan and um, Nyland and, and like James Bree and like they were all, d- Bjarnason, like I really liked Bjarnason. He was a good player. It just, he was just not, it was just not the right club for him and we could never seem to get him in the team. Um, but I always thought Steve Bruce would make a good director of football, like a director of football, because he'd have he always had a decent eye for players. I feel. Yeah, I feel like at Blues he did that. Like he signed some. I mentioned a load earlier, like Robbie Savage, like David Dunn, Mikhail Fussell, uh, obviously Dugary. I don't know how involved directly he was with that, but for every one of them, he he might. There's a chance he'd bring in like a, yeah. a Pandiani, like a <laughs> you know, like. 
can't believe I mentioned Yarashik earlier, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, you, know like, you know what I mean? Like he'd make like, you know, Julian Gray, like, you know, someone not necessarily terrible, but like, I feel like we signed a lot of players under Bruce in general, like a lot of, he, he got through play, like we cycled yeah. the squad a lot through him um, during his time. Um, do you think it's fair that he's kind of got the reputation that he's got now as being a bit like, is he, I, I don't think he'd get a champ. If he tried, I don't think he'd get a championship job now, unless it was desperate. And this whole sort of outdated, like dinosaur thing, like, well, I mean, his style of football is like, you know, is outdated. You know, you remember when he was managing you, this was like like 20 years ago. And the game mm. has changed so much in that time. You know, you can tell that just by the shirts. Yeah. Like the shirt you're wearing there is really baggy. Like, there's, you know, if you went for a run so in is that Bru- shirt. So is Bruce. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, if you went for a run in that shirt, like it's not a breathable fabric, for example. No, like, no, yeah. As whereas like, if you take this shirt, even though it's a few years old, like, Mm. It, the, the, like the it, amount of time it, that's passed sort of yeah like you can you can so obviously the the way football is and it's always evolving and you know the, this pep guardiola like super system he's got at manchester city at the moment like you know it might be you look but look at the way jose Mourinho has just been sat by roma and people going oh he's a dinosaur he did, you know it, the, the mm. game's moved on from Mourinho. i don't think it has but it's just the game it's different you know you think back to when he was managing chelsea like his teams were insanely good they were amazing yeah completely i think like you can even if they are a bit outdated you can still appreciate that they were like one day one day guardiola will be outdated and yeah you know klopp and um and all them as well you know it's kind of just part and parcel of it um where do you where would bruce rank you don't have to give like an exact number but like if you had to rank all the villa managers you've seen would he be like in the middle, would he be down the bottom? Like, uh, he'd probably be in. He'd certainly be in like the top quarter. I think. Really? What the top quarter? I really? think so. Wow. You think? You think about it. We had some. We had a lot of shit that managers. Is true. I guess that is true. Well, He's definitely yeah, top half. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Obviously, he wouldn't be ahead of Emery. He wouldn't be ahead of Smith. O'Neill or Martin o- or Martin O'Neill. But after a... that, above Julio. Above... Yeah, probably. I don't think he'd, he'd probably be below Sherwood. Like Sherwood was like a flash in the pan, but it was like a great six months. Like it was an amazing six months under Tim Sherwood. Like, but you know, but yeah, he probably he probably probably just beat Tim Sherwood. Fair enough. I think with Blues, he'd have to be just by you know obviously his connections to Villa and like you know relegation and so on. He's easily one of the better managers we've had in our lifetime. I think I'd probably have Hugh. I'd have Hugh and above him. Despite everything that happened with McLeish, I, I think I personally remember like McLeish's era. I have like more of a you know a fond memory for. So, um, and you can listen to our second city story on McLeish to find out why. Um, yeah. Uh, so I'd probably put him above him. I'd probably put Rowett above him. Just for, again for that kind of personal connection. But he'd easily be. We've had a lot of duds as well, but yeah, he'd, he'd be up there. You know, I think he does. He does deserve credit. Um, you know, looking back for what he did at Blues. So yeah. Maybe that's a podcast for another day. In the summer, maybe we'll rank the rank the managers. The managers. Oh yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good. So that's Bruce's career as like a manager. Um, but let's get to the elephant in the room, which is uh, Bruce's other career, not as a player, but um, but as a wordsmith, as a wordsmith, as a Shakespearean wordsmith. Yeah. Um, Kind of a cult classic story, but maybe becoming a little more well-known now, um, is that Bruce, in the late 90s, when he was the manager of Huddersfield, uh, dabbled in a bit of uh, bit of Agatha Christie, a bit of Knives Out. <laughs> uh, like, um, uh, yeah. Bruce wrote a, genuinely wrote a crime trilogy of novels um, in his spare time. And the beauty of this is it's about, uh, and I'm not making this up, this is true. Um, it's about a footballer called Steve Barnes, who is the manager of Leddersford Town, who wear blue not and white stripes. Yeah, who also wear blue and white stripes. And he's like a, a manager turned detective when a player, in the first book, when a player is murdered. And the yeah, Steve Bruce wrote like a trilogy. They're like a one draft hit, like 100, <laughs> 150 pages each. Um and Callum, I believe, so the trilogy is called, they're all like football themed crime stories. Yeah. And for years people were like, are these real? Are they not? And I think it's kind yeah. of widely become 
there's so many hints in the books to like real things that have happened in Bruce's life. Yeah. There's a lot of connections there. And he, I think he, when he was at Villa, he did an interview where someone asked him about it and he kind of confirmed it was real. Um, so they've kind of become this like underground thing, but I believe, so the trilogy is called Striker, Sweeper and Defender. I believe the trilogy yes, is like are. an exclamation yeah. mark. And I believe you have the blurb for Sweeper in front of us. If we could hear a little rendition I, of what we're in store for. It, yeah, so this is the second of the three. Steve Barnes, manager and coach of Leddersfield Town, has taken the team to the top division. He's heavily involved in developing tactics to keep the sides a serious contender for promotion. When Steve assists Sam Milton, an old employee of the club, he soon finds himself with more than a death in suspicious circumstances. Sam is not what he seems. He may even be the man with a terrible past. It is that past which catches up with Steve, who finds himself caught up in shade in the shady world of danger, espionage and revenge. Steve has the key to unlock the past, but there are fanatics armed and dangerous who will stop at nothing to keep their secrets from the world. This second novel by Steve Bruce, former Manchester United captain and now esteemed manager, is fast and exciting. It will be enjoyed by all ages and, <laughs> and both sexes. Yes, <laughs> I do remember that. I remember that actually. Um, uh, so, slightly dated uh, line yeah. from Steve there. Um, you could have bought it for five pounds fifty in the UK on this one. Um, really? But but this one is currently on eBay at two hundred. Yeah. So so that's the thing. So it's really hard to get copies of these books because they're so they're really rare and expensive now. Um, so I'd recommend instead. There's a podcast run by you know Josh Widdicombe, the comedian. Yes. Um, he does a podcast called Quickly Kevin, uh, which is like a not a foot a nineties football themed podcast. And he had um, do you know Ivo Graham, the comedian, he was on Taskmaster. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he, they they had him on as a guest, and they have done a series of episodes where they basically read them and kind of break it down. And so if you want to get like the full insight into the madness of this trilogy, I cannot recommend them enough. They are yeah. so funny. <laughs> um, it's so funny listening to them talk about it. Um. Like there's a thing in the books that like Steve Bruce won't uh, Steve Barnes won't help his country like stop terrorists because he doesn't believe in helping his country because he was never capped for England as a footballer. <laughs> That's like a thing in the books. Um and yeah, they're the most just like one draft, like wandering, like relentlessly, like aimless. You know, like you know, yeah. like the room, the film, how it has like no yeah. direction. It's kind of like that in novelistic form. Um, so yeah, fully recommend checking out the podcast. Have a listen. There's like uh, Steve Steve Barnes. He's like a bit of an arsehole. I don't know if Steve Bruce, yeah. uh, <laughs> kind of rude, violent, womanizing like character. I don't know if Bruce deliberately tried to make him this way. But the bit when they talk about the third book is my is probably my favorite. Where uh, so the plot of Defender is that Steve Barnes signs like a Brazilian defender and he goes missing. So the plot is that he goes miss is it's like a missing persons case. Um, yeah. And so Steve Barnes goes to Rio de Janeiro to investigate. But the book is like, he basically finds him pretty quickly. Um, and so the rest of the book is just him wandering around, sightseeing around Rio de Janeiro. It's like, imagine if like halfway through like The Godfather, they find out who the mole in the family is. And so the rest of the films, them just sightseeing in New York. Um, yeah, truly amazing. There's a lot of him just talking about his car uh i don't know why there's just it's just the most all over the place book ever it's like really badly written truly iconic and just loads of little like there's like real connections in his life to like there's people yeah. who are fictional but they're clearly based on other real people in like his football in life yeah um and he compares like action scenes to like um football in terms like so there's a bit when he's trying to someone's trying to like, he's in a fight with someone and steve bruce is right and describes steve barnes he gets away from his attacker by like dropping his shoulder like darren huckabee and like gets <laughs> um, like it's just uh yeah fully recommend the podcast very very funny um and if anyone you... wants to wants to send us a 200 pound copy of the book oh, we will we will do an audio book of it we'll oh, read 100%. the whole thing yeah 100 percent. that'd be amazing um yeah, I think that's just fantastic. Whatever failures Bruce has had as a manager or as a player, it cannot come close to uh, his writing career, sadly. But fair enough, Steve, for giving it a go. Um, 
Yeah, not exactly knives out, but I, I love that. He no, but I tell you what, like, if he did, if he did, everyone needs a hobby. Now, if he did another oh, one massive. now, he'd make millions. It'd oh, mate, that's what he should do. Instead of like pissing about at the baggies, like get on yeah. this, Steve. Like, what's he doing? Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's that's a striker sweeper defender, and I think that just about wraps us up here, Cal. Yeah. Um, for a uh, second city story. Um. Let us know if there's anyone in particular you'd like us to see uh, maybe doing this yeah. series soon. We've done Hes- uh, we've done Heskey, Hutter, McLeish and Bruce. McLeish. So there's loads more that we can do. Um, so let us know. And yeah, we'll be back next week with a bit more of a normal episode, but we hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I've been, because we're time traveling here, Dan, I can tell you how the week's gone. Like, man, I'm so glad we beat Sheffield United. That last minute winner from Ollie Watkins, beautiful stuff. And then we've gone and beat Chelsea 3-1. <laughs> and then we've we've gone and turned over Man United at Villa Park. And who would have seen a John McGinn hat trick on the cards? Like, unbelievable well, stuff. That was impressive. But obviously we had our derby against Baggies last week, one of our biggest games of the season. Um, and I mean, uh, Cody Dramer hat trick, uh, remarkable. Duke uh, off the bench making it 4-0. Four, four um Freedom of the City given to Tony Mowbray. No, we'll be back with, uh, as normal next week, though. Um, so, yeah, uh, you can follow us everywhere, including Twitter and TikTok. That's with the handle Second City Pod. Yeah, that's 2ND City Pod. Subscribe on whatever platform you're on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, the Google Podcasts, the, the whole lot. Uh, leave a like and a five star review because they go a long way. And uh, yeah, until next week, Dan, I'll see you then and up the villa. Shit on the villa. Keep right on. See you next time.